0: Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the live well bipolar podcast. I am very excited about this episode because I have a special guest for you guys this week. I have actually been talking back and forth with her over email, um, all the way since March of this year, trying to get this conversation. And I'm so excited to bring her to you guys because she has not just a special story in the form of her book to share with you, but also in the form of her work. So we have Dr. Elizabeth Wynn on. She is a multi-dimensional psychiatrist, writer and author of the recently published novel Aloha Vietnam she was born and raised in Honolulu Hawaii her parents were refugees from Vietnam who arrived in Honolulu in 1975 at the end of the Vietnam War she received her BA from Stanford University in human biology her MD from Northwestern University and her psychiatry residency and child psychiatry fellowship training at UC Davis. She started her career in community mental health with specific interest in cross-cultural psychiatry the intersection of spirituality and mental health, and the healing power of water in the natural world. She currently lives and works in private practice in Davis, California. So Dr. Nguyen, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast today. I can't wait to get into your story, your book, and your work. So thanks for joining.
1: Thanks for having me, Paris. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for all the work you do. I know this takes so much dedication to continue to bring these stories to the
0: the clients and audience you serve. So thank you. Of course, of course. And yeah, just like you said, putting out that work and putting out these conversations and stories. And you guys, I actually got the pleasure of reading her book, And I'm excited to talk a little bit about that too. But before we get into the book, right? Because before there was your book, before there was your work that you do in your practice, there was your story and you having an interest to get into this field in the first place. So can you just tell us a little bit about how you got into this world of wanting to do work to make living with bipolar better?
1: Yeah. Thank you so much, Parish for just giving me an opportunity to reflect and share on all that. Um, so I, I am a child of immigrants. I grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, my parents were refugees from Vietnam. And so that's a part of my history. But the, the part of my history is also there was mental illness in my family. I grew up with a very intimate lived experience of people in my family struggling with mental illness. And I remember from an early age, just as a young child, I wanted to understand what was going on. What were these big emotions and, and, things that I saw and experienced all around me, uh, what, how to make sense of all that. And I found my way to medicine. Um, even when I went to medicine though, medical school, I didn't think I would become a psychiatrist, even though I had that experience of growing up around mental health challenges. Um, When I got to medical school, I just was really drawn to psychiatry, not only because of my personal experiences with it and wanting to understand it, but I've always been drawn to people's stories. I am just so interested in really learning about people's history and stories. And and so that kind of led me to the field of, of mental health. And I think, um, because of my cross-cultural background growing up within a Vietnamese refugee family, I became very interested specifically around how different cultures experience and live with mental illness and get treatment or don't get treatment for it, which is what led me to my interest in cross-cultural psychiatry. Um, and so my book, Aloha Vietnam, which you know is about 50-50 autobiographical, 50-50 fiction. Um, it is a novel. It follows a Vietnamese-American refugee family settling into their life um, in Honolulu after the Vietnam War, but also tracing and following the the path of their daughter, adolescent daughter's bipolar journey and how the the parents and teenager make sense of that. And it weaves together all of my lived and professional experiences um, growing up in my family and working as a psychiatrist professionally.
0: Wow. I love that. The whole breakdown, especially how you tie in going to medical school and you talk about doing that and right away, cause some people go and do that and say, Hey, I want to be a psychiatrist. I want to do this. This is what I'm going for. This is my path. But you talk about being drawn to that through having those experiences. And you talk about from an early age, having that aspect of mental illness in your family and really wanting to understand, wanting to support, wanting to have those pieces. So I really love that you've taken that approach of wanting to get into that, to really be able to not only learn what it looks like, not only learn those solutions and aspects of support, but really put it into something that we can hold in our hands, which is your story, which I really enjoyed because someone like myself who lives with bipolar disorder, I really relate a lot to the experiences you mentioned in the book and something else that I would love to get your opinion on before I ask you some about that. I know you mentioned the cross-cultural aspect of how different cultures handle, process, navigate mental illness. If you can give me the number one thing that you've learned that you didn't expect when you talk about in the Vietnamese culture, either through your school or your work with clients, something that surprised you that you learned about how either a client or case study has their experience with bipolar that you didn't expect.
1: Yeah. I think when we're working with different cultures, it's so humbling to realize that, um, just the terminology we have for things can be so foreign. So so in the Western world, or someone who's been through mental health treatment here, bipolar, like we know what that is. But if you're trying to explain to like say a Vietnamese or whatever refugee family that I think your daughter has bipolar, they're they're gonna be like, what is bipolar? <laughs> and what mm-hmm. do you mean by that? And then as a Western trained doctor, you're gonna spit out all these, again, Western terminology from the DSM about mania and depression and the symptoms. And again, someone from a different culture that may not, in Vietnamese, there is no word for bipolar. And I'm sure in many other cultures, there isn't a word for bipolar. There's probably a word for people that are mentally health challenged and every culture is different. Like in Vietnamese, growing up, I think we just called everyone who looked crazy like they're They're crazy and that is just kind of like this stigmatizing label of someone who you know is not mentally stable but it doesn't really um you know have the same differentiation as you know in in the western world where we talk about mood disorders or anxiety disorders or, or ptsd so i think it really humbles you to really take the perspective of when you're working with someone from a different culture that you're not going to get anywhere if you're just trying to force feed a construct. You're really trying to understand what is the person in front of you's explanation of what is going on Mm -hmm. Um, and what, how is that affecting them? Um, Is it causing them problems or not? And, you know, how do they want help with it?
0: Yeah, I like how you explain it isn't the same as in Western cultures, right? Because when we're watching TVs or movies or hearing about bipolar, mood disorder, mania, depression, and you saying there isn't a word like that in the Vietnamese culture. So really rather having more of the feelings or the emotions and being able to express that, but not having a word, but then also, like you're saying, the attachment of the stigma, once we have that word, what is that word? And then the stigma that goes with it, right? So not wanting to outwardly come out and proudly proclaim to the whole world, I have a bipolar diagnosis, right? So really being able to tie that into the work that that you do, I think is so important because something else that you mentioned really wanting to focus on is talking about finding the right treatment supports. And something that stuck out to me so much when I was reading your book is, I, I'm i not gonna spoil it for people and say where it is in the book. I'm just gonna tell you that I was reading one of the chapters and something that stuck out to me was you have it a certain way in the book where there's italicized words, where it's going through. And there's a scene where she says, how will I ever get through this course if I can't make it through one lecture? I think to myself, I'm not cut out to be pre-med, I'm a complete failure. So having that tone, I'd love to hear from you, is that supposed to be a a representation of the inner dialogue and what is helpful for that?
1: Yeah, so I, you know, in in creating Aang's character, Aang is the main protagonist, the, the adolescent girl who has a manic episode in her senior year of high school and then goes through this journey. In, in creating her character and her her inner experience and how she interprets things, it, it came from a whole sort of collection of my experiences and sitting in therapy and, and deeply just with so many of my clients and really, you know, um, getting to understand what some some of the inner struggles and inner thought processes of people who have not only bipolar, but just, you know, Mental health challenges, emotional doubts and, and fears. Um and, and my even myself have had, I, I think it's um it was my attempt to normalize and validate like everyone's internal dialogue, which can sometimes be our worst enemy. And even though this is one girl's story um and one narrative. I feel like there's there's similar themes in many of the patients that I sit with. I think all of us struggle with, with these feelings of, of, of failure, of self-esteem, of self-doubt, especially when we've been given a diagnosis of feeling like there's something wrong with us. Um, and, and so I wanted to sort of normalize that, help people who might be struggling with this, whether they have a bipolar diagnosis or just other mental health diagnoses just feel that they're not alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that point you said right there of feeling that you're not alone really ties in with something that I know has been a big part of my journey that you talk about is finding that right support team to help you navigate wherever you are in your journey, whether it's you're recently diagnosed, you haven't been diagnosed, you're thinking that something could could potentially be lead to a diagnosis. That really, for me, has led to not feeling alone because I know I had a lot of those isolating moments, especially relating to Aang, the character you talk about in this book of feeling like I'm not enough. I'm a failure. I had this breakdown at a point in time in my college and how am I going to continue? How am I going to move forward? So I'd love to hear you share what have you seen as far as either the work that you've done in your practice when it comes down to how, how do you go about creating that, that support team network?
1: Yeah. So I, I, first of all, I just want to say that people struggling with mental illness and then people who are brave enough to get treatment for it are such like heroes and heroines and, and they often aren't seen that way. They're often seen as weak or stigmatized or something's wrong with you. And I really wanted to flip the script on that because as someone who, who walks with people on this healing treatment journey i know how hard it is i know how difficult and what courage and perseverance it takes to continue getting treatment to keep working on yourself to 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 do the hard things and i think so much of that happens behind closed therapy doors or hospital doors and most people, unless they've gone through it themselves or know someone very intimately, just don't know how challenging it is. And so I, I, as a psychiatrist, I really wanted to, to really celebrate people on this journey and, and and portray them in a very, um, authentic light that shows what courage people do have, who are trying to get better from these, mental health challenges and diagnoses. And I would say that because of the stigma around this, just of of like society's portrayals of this, people just thinking that it's a personal failure, that reaching out to get help is often the first barrier of just kind of like dealing with it on your own, like trying to pretend it's not there. Um, I feel like getting finally reaching out to get support is like a big hurdle and then then that's only the beginning but when you find the right support when you finally find someone you feel comfortable really being true with truthful with where you can share yourself honestly like that really starts the process of of uh of healing of of, because we can't do this alone I know you cannot deal with mental health challenges and get better on your own. I I haven't seen a single person be able to do that because as humans, we're just so interpersonally, socially connected, and especially with something like mental health challenges, you can't do it alone. So I would say the first step is just reaching out for that first initial, yes, I want to get support, and then finding that right fit can sometimes take Some time it's not like just getting your oil changed or a dentist, not to say that dentists don't do great specialized jobs too, but there's something different about going to someone you're going to pour your heart out to and really feel and trust and get to know. Um, That's really important that you find that right fit where it feels like you can really be yourself and be be honest
0: and feel that safety. Mm -hmm. I love how you break that down to start with flipping the script on the stigma, because you talk about celebrating the fact and looking at yourself as a hero for coming forward and wanting to seek help rather than the villain that we can come sometimes see, right? Whether it's portrayed, like you said, in society, on you know TV, movies, or even our own experiences that we've had inside of our own homes, our own environments where maybe it's you, maybe it's your sister, brother, mom, dad, somebody that you know personally who you've seen them struggle with this and you've seen them be made to feel badly about it. I love how you are recreating that, like you said, because that all goes back to what you said. The first step and is often the biggest hurdle in our journeys is asking for help, reaching out to do it, whether it's you yourself who's reaching out or you have the support of a parent, friend, family, coworker, someone who's on your side to help you get those resources. But I also like how you, you share that analogy of, this isn't like going to get an oil change or going to go down the street and put some gas in your car. You you hit the button, boom, there you go. Sometimes we might think this, right? And it often comes down to people who have never had the experience with knowing too much about mental illness. Maybe they're like, I don't know if it affects me or my life or my family. So I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. And of course, if you haven't had that, then how would you know what the process looks like of either trying to find a therapist that's a fit for you, trying to find a psychiatrist, trying to find your your regimen with either medication, whatever treatment that you deem effective for you, it can be so individual and so unique and such a challenge, like you said, because even from that moment, when you have that bravery inside of you to get help, it's still going to always be a work in progress. You're still going to have to continue to maintain the work that you've done too. You mentioned a good way to start your healing journey is storytelling and creativity and some of those aspects. You talk about storytelling, creativity, water, and the natural world. So can you talk to me a little bit about that for someone listening who might sit there and be thinking, how do these things help with healing?
1: Yes, thank you for the question. So we go to therapy so that we can make sense of our story and have someone really care and listen to us and help us make sense of our story and then provide us with support and professional guidance. But before we even get to the step of maybe going to a professional therapist's office, so many of us could benefit from just sharing our story and feeling comfortable with opening up and and being real with a close friend, a family member, some trusted support. Because it's really that beginning process of, again, just just opening up and sharing yourself and sharing your story that starts this process of you getting to know yourself better, you feeling that you are worthy of feeling better, that your story has value, has meaning, and that um, sharing it will help you understand yourself better and will help you get the support you need. And I know as a psychiatrist that it's so hard to access quality mental health services. Like even if you've reached that point of, I want to get help, like you're just faced with trying to find someone good, trying to find someone that you can afford, trying to find someone that's available. So it is, there's like multiple hurdles to getting quality mental health treatment. And one of the reasons I wrote this book aloha vietnam was because i wanted to start the healing process and make it more accessible to to anyone just buying a book and reading it you're going to start the healing process hopefully if you're like someone who's even somehow drawn to this book you want to learn more about bipolar you you, there's something about cross-cultural immigrant stuff that that appeals to you Just reading about someone else's story, I think will help you reflect on your own life and your own story and sharing it with others. And that process is gonna open up healing for you. And as you continue that journey, you're gonna figure out, oh, maybe I do want some more formal container for my continued exploration and healing process and and then explore whatever that is. And like you mentioned, it's such an ongoing journey, this Mental health journey, I kind of co-weave it with your healing and personal growth journey. It's like Mm -hmm. a good therapist is not only here to help you reduce your symptoms, it's to help you really know yourself and grow and become the best version of yourself. So it's like, you don't just go to therapy to not be depressed, you go to therapy to understand yourself, see what you want in life and figure out how to get there and what are the patterns that keep you from getting there. So it's an ongoing process. Like, you know, I'm still involved in personal growth work because there's always more to grow and learn about yourself. And so different, you need different things at different times in your journey. And so just viewing it as an ongoing journey of where am I right now? Like just what do I, what could be helpful to me right now? It could be just listening to this podcast is is part of the healing journey for people and reading this book and then eventually opening up and talking to someone professionally or even just family friends. And then from there, seeing what opens the next step. So there's no one prescription or proscription around what you need to do for your healing personal growth journey. It's it's about really Valuing yourself and saying, "No, I want to learn more about myself," and, mm-hmm.
0: and wh- how do I start? Wow, I love, I love how you talk about when you read someone else's story, it can help you reflect on your own, and even starting there because you mentioned that first hurdle is asking for help. So tell either. Um, having that through conversations with friends, family member, but then reading this story. And like you said, the access that is so daunting for so many people with getting those resources. First of all, who going online, searching, finding people near you? Does this take my even if you have insurance or if you don't, or how are you going to pay for these things? How are you going to make this work for yourself? So having something like this book that you can go and see the journey of Aang and talking about her experiences and breaking it down and making the reader question my own and and starting there. I love that you break it down like that because something that I wanted to ask you is you mentioned the the healing process with this in in your experience because I know that you You do all of this amazing work with helping people in your practice with the bipolar diagnosis and putting out the story and work and you yourself not living with a diagnosis of bipolar, but I'd love to hear from you. How has writing your story and and writing the story and putting this out into the world, how has it helped you grow? It's
1: helped me grow so much. And I just listened to your episode about the two-year anniversary of of your book and, and what it's brought to you. So I know that anyone who puts out any creative work into the world it's it 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 just inevitably adds to our own growth and there's been so many ways that writing and publishing this book um has helped me heal and grow this book is so many things it's it's intergenerational healing it's ancestral healing and so just on those two things alone there's been so much generational healing between me and my mother and understanding each other better the ancestral healing of not just my mother but my father and my ancestors before that um there's just been so much around that i could go into to anecdotes around that uh, if, if there's time or you're interested or just kind of talk about that more like generally there's been so much healing in the ancestral lines wow
0: I love that you talk about not just the the ancestral lines, but then the intergenerational, because that's really what I see is breaking that loop and continuum of trauma and how it can carry over into other aspects of our families and later different experiences. And I love how you say the ways that it's helped you because that's always something I love to ask people is you put this body of work out into the world, all the research, all the time that you dedicated to putting the story together and doing that, but then also noticing what does it leave you with once it's out there? When you kind of sit there and take in those moments of hearing from people, reaching out to you and saying, I really relate to this and really relate to these characters something that I want to ask you is I always love to ask everybody this question because everyone always has a different answer and whether it's someone who lives with bipolar or does amazing work in the field of bipolar, like you, they always have something that leaves me thinking after this episode is done. So when you think about the title of this podcast, live well, bipolar, what does it mean to you when you think about what it looks like to live well, bipolar?
1: Well, I, I love your the title of your podcast. I love how it's so, you know, wellness focused. So I, I think just live well bipolar to me means, first of all, just how do I live well? How do I live well as a human being? And I may have a bipolar diagnosis, but what does it mean to live well? And I think there's so many commonalities around living well that um are mental health and our medical system would be so much better served to focus on, on the, on the components of, of living well, which is feeling well in our bodies, being, being healthy, just not just mentally, but physically and emotionally and socially, feeling connected to others, doing what we want in our lives, being around people who treat us well and love us well and who we can do the same for. And just feeling that we are really living a life of, of meaning. So I think the title of your podcast just reminds me that you're really promoting what does it mean to live well? What, what does that mean for a person? And everyone's answer matters. Your Your definition of living well is different than mine. And there's commonalities that we all have around living well. But really, it's really about asking yourself, what does a life well lived mean to you? And if you have a bipolar diagnosis or not, how do you still
0: live well? Mm -hmm. I love that you bring in how to continue the process of living well, even after you discover what that means for you. And I love that you tie in, this could mean something different for me than it can for you, but there's commonalities in between and really being able to tie that in, especially with the work that you've been able to do, and really your reason for getting into this in the first place. Cause I know there's probably many people who are listening to this podcast who, like me, have had some bad experiences with, you know, different times in their life with treatment, with finding a person that they feel they can connect with, whether it's a psychiatrist. I know sometimes that can be demonized too in our society of of psychiatrists. Oh, I don't want to go to them. They're going to throw a script at me. They don't even listen or care, but really hearing you break down the fact that you have even taken the time to put your book out into the world, put this story and also touch on so many things. You're not just touching on Talking about bipolar disorder for Aang and the character that you developed in your story, but then also that relationship with the mother, the father, the family members, and how that is across different generations and across different cultures, and really weaving that in to show people what that looks like. Because just like you talked about at the beginning of this episode, in Western culture, bipolar, schizophrenia, depression, we're familiar with these terms that are thrown around, but then In different cultures, like in Vietnamese culture, there isn't a word, there isn't a one thing, what this looks like. So really being able to take that and break it down, develop it to figure out what helps with people. I've really enjoyed hearing that from you. And also like just the story that you put together and being able to craft this in a way that is so relatable for me. Cause I remember reading this and remembering myself. I was hospitalized at 19. I had a lot of my struggles really early in life and something else that too, that I, I mentioned from the story that I think you guys would really love is just being able to take this book and start with something, right? So even if you're sitting there and you're like, I'm not really ready of, I'm wanting to share my diagnosis. I'm not sure about going to therapy. Being able to start with, with someone else is experience through reading and through connecting with that to make yourself be able to dive deeper into your experience. So I really want to thank you so much, Dr. Nguyen for coming on the podcast, sharing this book, sharing the work that you've done, sharing how you got into it all. And I'm going to encourage you guys all to go follow her. I will put all the information in the show notes. I will put her Instagram account. I will put her book link as well. You guys can go check out and yeah, definitely check out her story. If you are wanting more resources on bipolar disorder, what it looks like. And from all these different components that we touched on, it's, it's been so much fun just being able to have a conversation like this. And thank you for taking the time to come out and just share with us a little bit about your experiences and a lot about what you've done with them to help make the world a better place in this area.
1: Thank you so much, Paris. Thank you for everything you're doing, for being a real strong proponent and and inspiration and model for others in the bipolar world.
0: Oh, thank you. And you guys, I cannot wait to share this episode with you. And again, thank you so much for being here, for tuning in and wanting to continuously learn and hear different stories and experiences about living well, bipolar and what that can look like for you. So thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. And on that note, I'm going to say bye to you guys and bye to Dr. Wynn. So bye. Thank you. Bye.